Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton. I am outside the Giants facility, so... Bear with the winds of the Meadowlands. I've got MetLife Stadium in the distance, and it's a special week. The New York Giants are one of four teams left in the NFC playoffs, one of eight teams left in the quest to hoist the Vince Lombardi Trophy in Arizona at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. Big win over Minnesota, and now it's a short week heading into Philadelphia this weekend. We will have two special podcasts this week. This one that I'm recording right now, and then we'll have also a special one as more of a game preview of the Giants and Eagles Saturday night, 8-15 at the link. I'll be joined by Martin Frank from our sister paper in Delaware. We'll go over the Eagles-Giants preview, what the is coming out of Philly with the Eagles. I'll have Burt Bainbridge back on to talk the betting perspective for this weekend, and then obviously I'll give you my keys to the game. That will likely either be tomorrow or Friday, but now this one in the Giants locker room, setting the scene for you a little bit. It's been crowded here. There's been a lot of media attention for the Giants. The numbers have gone up, so the Giants have had to split their availability. They've done podiums in the field house, and then in the locker room, is a normal locker room, but the guys really aren't running in and out. Uh, we have podiums. Yesterday was Daniel Jones, Julian Love, Dexter Lawrence, and Andrew Thomas. Today we have a, a list of, I think it's seven, from Kayvon Thibodeau, Saquon Barkley, and then looking across the board, you also have Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, uh, and it goes up and down and up and down. All, all those people will be in the field house. So that's the way that is set up. But I was fortunate enough to catch starting center John Feliciano at his locker yesterday. He had the time, gave us about 10 minutes, one-on-one. We talked about a bunch of different things from his experience playing with Josh Allen in Buffalo, now playing with Daniel Jones, coming here this season, playing center for the first time as a starter for Brian Dable and Bobby Johnson. Obviously, Joe Shane, Dable, and Bobby Johnson were influential in getting Feliciano here. I know the fan reaction to Feliciano has kind of been split. There's that tug of the heart for Nick Gates to get back to playing center here. Nick has played at left guard, split time with Ben Bredesen. 
But for all the talk about Feliciano's shortcomings at the position, he's become a leader up front. He's one of the enforcers. Saquon Barkley loves him in the run game. And Feliciano had a good game in Minnesota. Uh, he's going to need a, an even bigger game this weekend against the Eagles. He talked about as well, that as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with John Feliciano. What's the expectation? You guys went there the last time, but you weren't necessarily out there during the game. For the starters on this team, for guys who are going out there, mm-hmm. get to stoke the fire a little bit when you get out there for the first time and you have a crowd reacting to you. I know you're used to it, but Philly's a different breed. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I look forward to situations like this. It's uh, when the crowd's real loud and you can't really hear anything. You get to tune everything out, basically, and just focus on your job. And communication aspect is at a premium. So as soon as it gets loud, you know, the only thing you can do is start over-communicating, and that, in turn, makes you focus up even more. You've been on playoff teams before. You know what it's like to go into hostile environments mm-hmm. and, and play. Uh, for, for this team, you guys have seen some atmospheres this year. I mean, I even go back to London. That yeah, you was, know that was pretty crazy. And obviously, you went down to Jacksonville. That was a pro Giants crowd, but certainly mm-hmm. a different environment. And in Minnesota, what beyond communication? The Seattle too. And, yeah, yeah, I can't forget about that one. Yeah. That's good. Um, Beyond the communication aspect of it, is there something that kind of galvanizes a team when you get into that situation, knowing that, you know, you're walking into someone else's house to try to win a huge game? Um, I think that's when you just lean on your brothers. Um, it's always it, – it, it's fun when you, uh, you know, you have 50, us 53 versus all Philly, basically. Um as a competitor, uh, home games are fun and nice. Don't get me wrong. I love home games. But uh, getting a win in a away game, it, it, it maybe feels a little better. You're somebody who was not in this locker room last year. You were elsewhere. I mean, you, mm-hmm. came, you, know, you came here to join this team. Was there a moment this year that you can look back on or just a feeling that you got that this was actually possible for, for the Giants to be one of four teams standing in the NFC? Um, I mean, I think we had that belief coming in um, with Dave's, uh, probably around training camp. We knew that we could be something special. Um, but probably after the Philly game, after that butt whooping, the first one, um, guys, that's when you can find out what, what guys are about. Uh, and no one in this locker room blinked. I think we, I think that brought us together. Do you know in a situation like that, when you lose a game the way you did, if a team doesn't have the yeah. makeup to do it? Yeah, you can tell. Um, you can let you know one game slip into two, three. Sometimes, I mean, when I was in Oakland. I think my third year, yeah, we made the playoffs the year prior, and then third year, I think we were like three and four, three and thirteen, three and thirteen at the time, four right? and yeah, twelve, yeah. um, and you know, getting teams go on streaks, uh, and sometimes when you get on a losing streak, you see guys you know, deflate, um, people start pointing fingers. Uh, and when that doesn't happen, you know that you have a 
team built right. And not for anything, you guys came back from that and had to play your biggest game of the season. I mean, you lose the next one, and if you guys let that slide in Washington, mm-hmm. you're probably not standing here. Yeah. Um, what do you like about your guys up front and what you guys have been able to accomplish? I mean, we know their defensive line. Davis told us stories last week. Their defensive line in the the game against, you know, there mm-hmm. in week 18, they're talking about basically calling their shots about who's going to get what sacks to break a record. Mm-hmm. What do you like about your group up front that measures up to really a talented defensive front? Yeah, you know, Graham and, and Cox, they, they love talking trash, you know playing them multiple times over the years out I talk trash sometimes too and it's 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 uh it's fun it's fun when 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 it's not just you you get you get on both sides guys right you know trash talking and uh up front I, uh, we're just a group of guys that really just love each other and believe in each other and, <clears throat> and uh I think throughout the season we've been taking steps forward and I think we probably had our best best game last week uh, we, we understand what the task at hand and um, we know we need to have a good game for us to win when you call that pitch play to Saquon on the first touchdown and you're out in front and we've seen video from the top seeing Andrew kind of pumping his fist because you guys knew it was going to go mm-hmm. when was the moment that you knew it was going to go yeah, so I come around and I uh, see, I, I forgot the, I think it might have been Hunter or or, uh, or uh, Darius that that Isaiah was blocking in. Isaiah, you know, ideally you would like Isaiah to, you know, uh, pin him down, right? But uh, Isaiah did a good job of just staying with him. I, I saw that whoever the DN was was trying to play out, so I went inside of it, and uh, I didn't see the other safety coming down. But I hit the DB, and Saquon somehow <laughs> used my block to block off the safety that was coming down. And as soon as I feel Saquon go by me, uh, I usually just start throwing my hands up because he you knew, yeah. Um, going into going into this weekend, the way this evo- this offense has evolved, you know, I go back to thinking when you played Washington the first time, and their two D tackles really had a game. I mean, they gave you guys all you could handle and more. And then in the second game, we really didn't hear much about those guys. What is it about this coaching staff and this group of players that allows you to adjust from one week to the next, playing in these rematches that? Mm. Seems like the second time you guys come out with things that that work, that maybe didn't work, or you picked up on the first time. Uh, that's, just, that's just the credit to our coaching uh, with Calf and Dave's, just putting us in positions that are favorable for us. Um, I think all year, I think we've uh, been evolving, and you know, being this the first year in the offense for a lot of guys. It's a difficult offense to learn, um, but I think we started hitting our stride. I think the first Washington game, uh, I think guys started to, you know, not, you know, they knew the playbook, but it's a different, it's different between, you know, knowing what you got and then like bullets are flying and you're able to adjust or, or, you know, we have a couple hundred code words. Um, so... At the, that time of the, the year when we played the, the Commanders the first time, I think everyone had the code words you know, knocked down. So it, it gives Daniel and, and, and Kef the freedom to, to call plays that were 
maybe not in the playbook or not in the game plan that week. And uh, I think we do a good job of coming out in the second half and adjusting. And again, I think that's credit to our coaches. You taught, you've talked all year about Daniel's evolution as a quarterback, getting to know him early mm-hmm. and seeing um, – how special was it for you as a teammate, somebody who's watched up close to see what he put out there on Sunday? Yeah, I think he, I think he's getting comfortable in this offense now, and um, his offense really lets a quarterback shine. If, if uh, I think Daniel has the confidence and, and the, the ability to to be special. What did you know about Daniel before you got here? Like, how did you go about? Getting to know these guys. You just try to ollie me up just to, mess, yeah. just to talk shit. Um, <laughs> nah, I mean, not much. He looks like a, a strange cat. Um, and then you get to know him, and he's just a dude. Uh, but, yeah, he's boring, vanilla dick. <laughs> I guess that works, though, for this mm-hmm. team. Right? Mm-hmm. Last thing for you, personally, you came here with a little bit of an unknown. I mean, you knew Dave's, you knew Bobby, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously Joe knew you, Joe Shane bringing mm-hmm. you in. But you always thought that you would be able to thrive if given the position at center and, mm-hmm. and have an opportunity. Yeah. How have you felt? I mean, I know the season is far from over at this point, but kind of creating a, a role for yourself here and kind of taking that opportunity. Yeah, I, mean, I, I always had felt that I had the ability to play center. Um, I was behind two really great centers, one in Rodney Hudson in Oakland and Mitch Morris in uh, Buffalo, guys that are elite players, and I love those guys. And uh, I think, I, you know, coming into the season, you know, I had the – I lost my nephew the first game, and then I also hurt my – my knee in that first game so after when I, whenever whenever I got healthy probably around week four or five uh, I think I started hitting my stride and um, being able to play a whole season at center um, was great I mean I think uh, I think I proved some people wrong um, hopefully I get to be here for a couple more years and uh, I mean, I, I, the, the love I have for Dave and, and Bobby are um, I, I've been lucky um, be, being with uh, Bobby for seven out of my eight years in the league it doesn't happen much and uh, I think we, we have a, a really good connection just because my first three years with him, he was a tight ends coach, and right. and you get to when when it's not your coach, you get to you know the bond you build with coaches when you're not, when they're they're not your coach is different from when they are your coach, and um, it's just been special, man. I love that dude. I know I said last thing, but are you maybe think of one more confidence level of this team? Do you expect a week from now that you're standing here talking about getting ready to play for an NFC Championship game? I'm not going to say no. Um, it would be great. I think the, the city and, and the guys that have been in this locker room that you know went through those, those, those tough years, um, I think they all deserve it. All right, special thanks to John Feliciano. Like I said, an underappreciated player on this team this year. I think 
if you came in expecting Feliciano to be a, a pro bowler, your expectations were too high. I think he's been exactly what they've needed at center. He's a guy who knows this offense. The coaches trust him. You couldn't count on Nick Gates out of the gate to start this season. So Feliciano's been in there, and he's been a battler. He hasn't been perfect. There have been times where he's been overpowered. But for the most part, he is the key, the communicator in this line. And I think his value it really has shown itself and revealed itself over the course of the season. So hope you enjoyed what you heard from Feliciano. Again, Another episode coming before we got the game on Saturday. We'll talk with Martin Frank, Burt Bainbridge. We'll see if we can get some more sound from the locker room today. But I wanted to make sure we got this episode out there for you guys to enjoy. So as always, we are all in, and we appreciate you being all in too. We'll talk to you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.